I supposed to have been hearing the music yet? Did, did you not? Nope. Did you not hear? I heard it. I did not. I didn't either. <laughs> so. <laughs> Off to a good start. Okay. Hello and welcome no, no, no. to Press Hold YYZ, your favorite gonna, Canadian gaming podcast. You can gonna, watch the show weekly on youtube.com slash price yyz live on twitch.tv slash press yyz wednesdays at 8 p.m eastern standard time or listen on your own time on your podcast service of choice we appreciate however you choose to support the show but if you've got no loonies or toonies to toss our way it's all good we will be here for you no matter what and as always before we get started remember be good to each other discrimination of any kind be it over one's race gender sexual orientation literally anything is wrong and will not be tolerated within this community. Tonight, we're going to get through all the things we've been up to and have a great discussion suggested by one of our listeners, Robbie Rob Plays, on what canceled games we wish we could play. I am your host with the most tonight, Mr. Mitch George, joined as always by our two-time award-winning film student, Alex Ballant. It's been a long time, my friends. I missed you all so much. Our thumbnail thespian, A.J. Fraser. I hope you realize I'm not cutting any of that intro out of the audio version. And the man who thought we could hear his music, but we couldn't, Mr. Alexander Cozy Cozina. I was going to suggest earlier that we just redo the intro and I'll just like point at Mitch when he's supposed to start speaking. But I I suppose that this is the way God intended this episode to be. (laughs) unfortunately as it is this is this is how we've been brought together um a little bit of housekeeping before we get into it as you heard but i didn't we have a new theme song provided to us courtesy of one thomas rockowitz so thank you so much thomas for providing us with this lovely theme it's awesome fits the vibe of the show and we all absolutely adore it yeah this was Press a yyz has a sorry go ahead cozy i just want to say this is a long in the works collaborative project with uh the man the myth the legend thomas rockowitz and I personally am very, very happy with how it came out and I hope that everybody is as well. You can go to Thomas Rockwitz on Twitter. That's at R-O-C-K-Y-O-W-I-T-Z to find more of his musical talents. And you can also head to our Twitter account if you want to hear the theme again there. Press YYZ isn't the only podcast we put out. YYZ Video has put up our latest episode, Cars in Review, live Life is on a YouTube highway. and podcast services and is I hate to say it, but probably the single funniest piece of content we've put together in the lifetime of this channel. I've I've heard that. I haven't listened to the episode, but I've heard this from very important people in my life. So you mean your girlfriend who texts me every other week when the episodes come out on Fridays at youtube.com slash press YYZ that it was hilarious and she'll never look at car exhaust the same way again. Yep, exactly. That person. (laughs) She doesn't listen to this. No, I don't blame her. Uh, Cozy's going to continue playing through the Halo series, continuing co- Halo Combat Evolved over on twitch.tv slash pressyyz every Monday around 8, I think. Yep. Hell right? yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And Nathan's going to play something probably when he streams tomorrow. Maybe. I don't know. He's not here, so he can't tell us what he's doing, but Alex, you're back. I'm back. I'm so happy to be here. It's been a hectic couple of weeks, but it's so nice to get to turn brain off and just talk about video games. That's what we're here for. That is what we here for. Um, speaking of video games, um, we haven't really played a lot of video games. 
<laughs> Look at this list of stuff we've done. There's not a ton there. I, um, Cozy, I, I, I know I, I know you brought mm. this up last week, but with the announcement of the PS3 and Vita stores closing, you've put together a list of things you need to download. You mean Hell buy, right? Because yes. the downloads aren't going away, just purchases. Hell yes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so yeah, uh, as you said, Mitch, uh, with the PlayStation 3 and Vita stores closing, uh, I decided to take some time on the weekend and go and look up, you know, what PlayStation 3 and Vita games I ought to download before said stores close. Because there are some games for a while that I've been meaning to get to in those two storefronts uh, that either, you know, are really interesting games that I've been meaning to get to in franchises I like, or, you know, our games are rich in trophies. Uh, I'm going to start off by giving you a quick look at some of the PlayStation 3 games that I have noted down. So... Not everyone is looking, so be sure to yeah, yeah of, co- of course. Well, for those who yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, Mitch, I'm not just gonna, I'm not just gonna say, hey, you can look right now at your MP3 player and look at the games I'm about you to play did right say now. Look in my defense. <laughs> look at what your mind's eye, man. Look what your mind's eye. Yeah, just, just feel it, man. It's gonna be great, guys. 420 isn't for a couple of weeks. That isn't this episode. God damn it. What? People have Actually, technically that's next week, right? It's next Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Our, our next episode, I believe, is not going to fall on it, unfortunately. Nope. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, with the closure of the PlayStation 3 and Vita stores, people pointed out that games like Infamous Festival of Blood are no longer going to be available to purchase, which is why that is the first game on my list of PlayStation 3 games to purchase. Uh, I have a total of 21 games that I want to get. Like I said, Infamous Festival of Blood, Tales from Space about a blob, uh, Detuned, uh, The Walking Dead, Michonne, which I know I can get on some other platforms, but I want to get it here just so I can get access to those trophies. All in all, the cost of all the games I'm planning to get on the PS3's digital store come out to $343.50. I don't, I mean, uh, on the road from where we are talking about it here to the road that we're eventually going to be on when I actually purchase all these games and regret it, I might decide to not get some of these games if. I feel like it's burning too big of a hole in my wallet's pocket. Uh, however, we've not yet talked about some of the Vita games that I'm going to be purchasing. So, Do wallets have pockets? Hell yeah. Yeah, actually. Actually, the, when the, all the little... There are pockets in your wallet where you put things. Wait, like, I, I don't really call them the pockets, credit card. I call them like sleeves. It's a credit card pocket. It's Is a it? money pocket in the wallet. You keep money in your wallet? Uh, I I had a birthday very recently, so okay, that makes mm. sense. Then. Yeah. Mm. So goes to continue about the Vita. No, no, it's it's not a problem. It. That actually gave me uh, ample time to switch over to my Vita document and make it a little bit more easy to read. So here's the thing: in going over both um, the PlayStation 3's online store and the Vita's online store, it was really apparent to me like how development how developers and how trophies change over the course of the span of years between the two consoles releases. The PlayStation 3, there are like very, very few digital only games on that platform that have platinum trophies attached to them. The Vita, on the other hand, we are in Platinum Central City. Like any 2-bit developer that had a digital game release on the Vita's online store more than likely had a Vita Platinum trophy attached to it, Uh, which means that after exhaustively going through the store and making a number of difficult concessions and sacrifices, I decided that in total, 
I am going to aim to get 165 games on the Vita, which comes out to a total of $1,743.49. Jesus Christ. It's not worth it. <laughs> the Vita's not worth that much. You're, you're yeah, definitely Sony doesn't right think it was that. worth that much. Yeah. Realistically, realistically, I'm not actually going to get all these games but but it's difficult because a lot of these games are, are games like uh, pick a picks color classic 2 pick a picks deluxe these are like it's like picross or like pictionary or like you know word search games that like oh i totally enjoy doing some of those things on my own when it's not even in video game format and i'll like it even better when it's a video game i'll like it even better when it's a vita video game and i'll like it even when better when it's a vita trophy. video game that i'm earning platinum trophies for uh there it is and so you know it's just how much are these platinums really worth to you apparently over a thousand dollars yeah (laughs) it's tough though because like okay so to pull back the curtain a little bit in addition to those like you know crossword and pick cross games there also are a couple of games here and there on this list that i've called that are games that you can theoretically get a physical release for but they only got a physical release via limited run games, for example, where they specifically only create, per the name, a limited run of these games. So, like, only 2,000 copies of, like, Nurse Simulator Dating Deluxe, for example. So I could theoretically get myself a copy of Nurse Simulator Dating Deluxe, but it would cost me, like, theoretically thousands of dollars on an aftermarket. Maybe not thousands, but, you know, like $3,000 or maybe not $3,000 more like, you know, $10,000. <laughs> Wait, that's not how math if works. If you pay $10,000 for a goddamn dating sim, not and just you have a PC sim, that a almost imploded on sim. you, I'm going to have words. The point is, is that words, there are some games, Mr. There, are some games there are some games words. on this list that like cost me $50 to purchase digitally, but would cost me like a couple times more that if I purchased them physically after the fact. So I'm putting them on there tentatively, but when push comes to shove, when I actually get around to purchasing some of these games, I'm probably going to knock a bunch of them off this list. Uh, and yeah, uh, that is that. <laughs> Two... To be fair, Mitch, what else could he possibly be spending that money on? I mean, he could go out and spend money on something like, say, Outriders. Alex, AJ, you guys have been playing a bit of Outriders. Don't spend don't yeah. spend money on Outriders. Get it through Game Pass. Yeah. That Yeah. I I, 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 I did I did do that on the Xbox One and uh, let me tell you, those load times doesn't run good. Uh, mm. no, it runs fine ish. Um, those uh-huh. load times are worse than Marvel's Avengers on the PlayStation 4. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, though, on the Series X, flawless. It loads Mwah. instantly. It, it, like, it'll it go start at zero, go right up to 80, and then immediately jump in to yeah. uh, being fully loaded. It's I, so nice. I do, I do have one pet peeve of that, though. Um, before almost every loading screen like that, there is a brief cutscene... That is just your character transitioning from one area to another, whether it be squeezing through rocks or Or. uh, climbing a rope or something like that. For some reason, they felt it necessary to add this cutscene in. And it's yeah, there's a lot. I don't know. There's a lot of fade to blacks as well, which just kind of it does kind of pull you a little bit out of the immersion as well. One of the things I found and I don't know if I was losing my mind or not, and I'm going to need to ask. During the cutscenes of like the main story, 
Yeah. Were there times where the aspect ratio was just changing? It was going from full screen to widescreen. Honest, I don't think I'm I'm a trained film student enough to notice that sort of detail. I just noticed when character models in uh, cutscenes and stuff, when their like lips would get stuck to their teeth and tear mm. apart for like ten frames, and it would be very jarring. Yeah, there's there's a there's a, a decent amount of jank in this, but for all of that, it, it's really it's just really fun. Yeah. So okay, last week when I briefly spoke about it, I I, I wasn't exactly excited about it. I I just it, it's a it's a very very okay game, and I still mostly maintain that. But there is something about it that has grabbed me in such a way first of all uh you know listeners at home please pour one out for my pyromancer who has unfortunately encountered the uh infamous inventory deletion uh bug um which you know the the devs say that they have a way that they can restore not exactly what you had but you know at the very least get get your character back so you don't lose all that progress um, which is fine. I wasn't attached to any of my equipment at any point. But um, uh, after that, you know, you'd think a game that, you know, I didn't spend any extra money on because I got it through Game Pass. Um, you would think that I, for whatever, you know, would just maybe put it down and be like, okay, nope, I'm done for now. Whatever. Something that I was, wasn't exactly uh, too hot on or whatnot, but no. What did I do on Sunday, the day after I uh, lost my uh, uh, precious Pyromancer? I started a new character and uh, went with the Techromancer, mm. Technomancer uh, this time. And I am, I am, in one day, I got just about up to where I got in the, the previous week entirely. Uh, that is how hard I binged it, and I don't know why I can't stop. I mean, it, there's something super satisfying about playing through and just like, because I'm playing the uh, trickster, and so okay. for me, just bouncing across the, the, the arenas that they bring you to and just like using all of, like, I love the, the risk reward that this game really tries to give you of like, Mm -hmm. you need to get close. You need to like, actually like do stuff to be able to get your health back. And it's satisfying. And I think that's the biggest reason why I, you know, I don't really, I'm not a super big fan of games of service, like, you know, destiny. I will jump back to whenever there's like a story expansion, but shortly after these, like I finish whatever the new campaign is, I I'm done with it. I never played the division. I didn't really stick with Marvel's Avengers after I beat the go back. Story. You coward. <laughs> Please? Uh, you New know, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. But this one, I this one, I don't know what it was about it, but I think partly the expectations were so low for it, and also it being on Game Pass really did yeah. help me just like be like, yeah, you know what, I'll keep playing it, and it was great in the sense that I could just throw on a podcast and just shoot things. Honestly, the there's, it's the it's the most B tier game I've ever I feel like I've played recently, but it doesn't. 
it doesn't stop it from being I, I feel like I'm having I feel like it's I'm guiltily having more fun than I probably should be but in like like I don't know it's hard to explain they I've I've heard it described as a a, a classic 360 PS3 era B tier mm-hmm. experience um reminds me of something like I, THQ would put out yeah, and I absolutely uh, agree with that. Um, and, you know, you can see all the trappings in there that, you know, regardless regardless of what they say out loud, you know, I don't necessarily believe that this was never intended to be a service game. Um, I'm, I suspect that after, uh, after Avengers... Uh, and everything with that not th- not saying it's bad or anything i'm just saying that that probably had some sort of influence and coming off the heels still of something like anthem you know there there's a lot of um there, there's a, definitely a lot of those hooks in there but it's it's balanced in such a way that um you know it 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 feels rewarding enough as if as if they they didn't take all the hooks out so that you would spend money. Does that make sense? I, I, kind of. I, I, I lo- sort of lost the thread there. Makes I me think, want to keep playing but not spend money. I think yeah. part of it too is I like this being developed by People Can Fly. I don't think they probably went to square with the original idea, and that's how they got the publishing deal. Mm-hmm. I feel like it may have been more Square Enix influence. What not with it being on the heels of Marvel's Avengers, but just their strategy for multiplayer games moving forward seems to be focused in that area. Having Avengers come out last year, Outriders early this year. And maybe that was just part of the arrangement to get the game published in the first place. So it was kind of like, you know, a lesser of two evils of does the game come out or does it not? And having to make some of these concessions to appease their publishing partner. We don't know how hands-on or hands-off square was with this game. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It's I games as a service doesn't hook me, but with a group, I've found myself falling in love with both the division two and Marvel's Avengers the last couple of years. And this was another one that I had on my radar, especially with the game pass announcement. It just, it doesn't run well on that Xbox one. Eventually mm-hmm. I'll have an Xbox series X that is not now because my local drugstore that sells video games that I have a ton of loyalty points for refuses to restock the dang thing. But I get that that's probably there's more issue to that. You know, we've got this microprocessor shortage and that's leading to issues with getting everything manufactured from Xboxes to graphics cards. So hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. Cozy, go ahead. I want to say, I believe that we previously touched on this on a previous episode, but, you know, uh, this game is developed by People Can Fly, which is a development studio that I think originally rose to prominence with the release of 2011's Bulletstorm, which was very much, it was kind of like, for its time, like a modern Duke Nukem in the sense that it's like, hey, let's do a dick and fart joke first-person shooter that's still a little bit kind of more smart and has a little bit more tact than say the Duke Nukem games of old. Um, And what I've been hearing is that this game doesn't really have a lot of humor to it or like a lot of just smart writing period, which is dark. It's dark. Yeah. uh, mm. It feels like what a 14 year old would think is like, this is dark and edgy. And we're going to say fuck. Yeah. And we're going to have this anti-hero who doesn't care, but secretly he does. It feels like somebody read a Punisher comic and is like, 
I like that guy. I want to make a story about him. It, there, it really feels like that. There is one mission um, midway through um, where you have you get it from a vendor, and this vendor has a debt that he has to pay, um, <laughs> and he's yes, and he's um, you know he if he doesn't pay this, he's gonna die essentially. So maybe about a ten second walk away from this vendor is the location where this. Uh, this guy is that he's supposed to, uh, you know, uh, pay back. So you go speak with him. Now, keep in mind, you are a bit of a super-powered being of sorts mm. in this. And what, what this, guy, what this uh, uh, bad guy is saying is, you know, play if, here, if play this... Uh, game of russian roulette with me and it's literally russian roulette um and uh if you if you win his debt is paid if uh if i win you know i'm you know killing you both or something like that anyway you've got these godly powers um and so uh he pulls the trigger first gun doesn't go off you pull the trigger and you blast yourself in the head um and then your body glows blue and you basically come kind of like it it didn't really affect you and you tell him that it's his turn that there should only be one bullet in there right and you know he shits his pants and pulls the trigger himself and he's done and like there's no there's no shooting like you don't control that or anything like that it's just you it's just a cutscene this entire mission and so there's the odd random thing like that in there that is just slightly out of place but fits at the same time and it just the whole thing is just really interesting how it all kind of came together hmm. so yeah i'm not yeah. gonna lie the the intro to the whole game just like sort of one final point uh just kind of this is with the whole presentation of it just sort of in general the intro of the game is weirdly like dark and mm -hmm. It's like I'm just surprised, like, and the it it sets it up as like the a completely different experience than like what you actually and what it actually ends up being. It like mm -hmm. feels like this weird like war drama thing of like, and the themes of it like before because it's supposed to be you're on like an alien planet, and the way that they talk about what happened on Earth, it like is weird and especially i've been reading a lot of the journals and stuff that you collect and like the lord of this the lord of the game is really cool like i'm yeah it just doesn't feel like it translates to like the the main game itself hmm interesting yeah uh really quick before we move on to something else uh what so you're playing um the trickster what yes. level are you and what world tier have you unlocked uh, I am, I think I'm like level 28 or 29. Like I'm close to max level. Okay. And yeah. I got up to like world tier seven or eight. And then okay. there was a certain point where I was like, this is so hard that I have stopped having fun. And so I dropped yeah. it back down to normal just to at least get through the main story. And then if yeah. I like, you know, if we do like, if I do like expeditions with people, we'll probably try and bump it up to like I... know, the higher levels. Yeah, uh, re just really quick. I don't know what, uh, I don't know exactly how they balanced it because I had like kind of the same issue, like moving up, like 
for some reason very early on with my pyromancer it was world tier four was a goddamn nightmare like what the hell is going on here Mm. um but eventually we got better gear and we were able to surpass that um my pyromancer was uh level 26 with uh world tier 10 Mm. and my um technomancer right now is level 28 and i am just a sliver away from world tier 15 Mm. so yeah it's yeah yeah it was it was it was interesting i didn't really understand what the world tier actually meant as they like when they first like introduce it to you so i just had Mm -hmm. it on to have it on by default to the highest level that you get and then after i finished uh one of the bosses in the game it like it took me like an hour to just kill this one boss and i was like why is this so hard and then i went back and realized oh i've been playing on like I think it's called like extreme difficulty or something. And I just didn't realize it. And so then at that point I was like a little bit more conscious of like putting it to, I usually would like hover around four or five, depending on how difficult the area was. And then I would Mm -hmm. like, if it was really hard, I would jump down to like three. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't seem to have like the best balance in that regard. But if you just, kind of stick with it a bit or even drop it down a little you'll eventually get better gear Mm -hmm. to where you feel comfortable turning that world tier up and you should be able to handle it it's just me me and two other friends uh on elite enemies um they're both level 30 and me at 28 um are just just absolutely dumping all of our bullets into dudes heads and they're not going they don't they don't melt they just don't go down they turn into bullet sponges at higher levels just yeah yeah it takes a good 10 minutes sometimes per uh per full encounter uh to get rid of all the the other enemies and just be able to focus on the elite and then another five minutes total of just just bullets just getting headshots and trying to avoid their uh their attacks and stuff and it's one of the things i didn't like about destiny and a lot of these like games of service is like at a certain point the way that they and i mean just games in general but i feel like it's especially plagued in games of service of like the the way that they do difficulty is the enemies they got a lot of health you just got to keep shooting them and they could kill you in a second and it takes you like 10 minutes to kill mm-hmm. one enemy it's 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 one of the reasons i didn't like the division is because I couldn't suspend my disbelief in that I was playing a video game because it was set in the real world. Where right. in this, I've got superpowers. Other yeah. people have some superpowers, so I can. There's uh, giant monsters. I can, yeah, they're giant monsters. I can imagine that they might be a little more hardy and take some bu- extra bullets or something. But Mitch, sorry. I I hate to interrupt, but we actually have some breaking news. Um, oh dear! For anyone interested in seeing the award-winning Access Granted uh, documentary directed by our very own Alex Ballant, uh, the Humber Film Program is hosting a screening or a festival or something. Alex, explain yeah, what's it's... happening on Saturday for anyone who's watching it now. If you're in the Twitch chat, links in the chat to a tweet. If not, Twitter.com/slash/PressYYZ or slash blatantly underscore Alex. You can find all the info there. Yes. So this is something that has. Uh has just like kind of come like like uh it was what yesterday they it became a thing and then today so essentially what it is it's a screening for all the docs that got made um for my second year of film school we there was 
15 documentaries that were made. Um, and I directed one of them, uh, featuring friend of the show, Steve Saylor. And, um, and so, yeah. And so they're showing them off all, uh, showing them all off now. Uh, each one is anywhere from six to 10 minutes. Um, uh, access granted is number four. So it should be relatively early in the show. I think I've seen a good number of them. They're all pretty wonderful. Um, but for sure. And so, yeah, so that is going to be Saturday, April 17th. All you need to do is uh, sign up on Eventbrite. You just need to get, like, an online ticket, and then you get sent. It's a, They're streaming it over YouTube, so it's, you know, wherever, any device. As long as you have the link to it, uh, it'll be... And I'll be tweeting about this a lot more. Hmm. Um, but as well, a very special thing, which I don't understand oh, yeah, I why anyone... I don't know why anyone would let me do this, but on the day of Saturday, April 17th, if you follow Humber Film on Instagram, I would say follow it just for one day because I'm gonna do dumb... I'm gonna have my dumb face all over it because they're letting me take over that account for some wow. reason. So oh, all over the stories, there's gonna be some, a lot some might of say, posts. Some might say access was granted to you. You're not the first person to have made that joke. Yes. Humber film following. Okay. I, I just yes. want to say... Uh, but as well, I do need to say one other thing about this just oh, in boy. particular... It is a slightly older version of the documentary. It's the one that I showed Steve Saylor uh, the first time. So the subtitles are the captions for it are not the most updated version of it. So they're a little rough. I already know this. I'm a little I'm a little sad I couldn't slip in the the like final version of it. But besides that, the the content of the film is exactly the same. It's just this one little thing that's going to bother me knowing that other people are seeing it. But besides you that, I shouldn't I'm... have brought it up because now everyone's just going to pick that out and tweet you all <sighs> the things they loved. And that one thing, I hope so. That's, that's <laughs> what I just, I needed to say it just for my own, like, okay, I can say that this is, this is, you know, this is what it is. So you don't need to tell me that it is. The captions aren't, aren't super great. By the way, that's if, okay. if you guys in the chat are going to sign up to this Hummer film event, right? Thing. You should probably stick around after Alex's documentary airs because it's going to be super weird if after Access Granted airs, <laughs> 400 people leave the chat. It's like, oh man, we had a real good turnout today. Hey, wait a minute. Where's everyone going? I see. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, um, yeah, definitely come check it out. I absolutely do love, um, I do love the the doc. I think it is probably the best thing I've ever made so far. Um, hey, you make this show and the other show we do. That's true. I I well, love that. We talked that, about but car poop for twenty minutes. That is true. And how it it what it causes go check out the video. Yeah, no spoilers. Just something about car poop. But either way, yeah, go check out Access Granted as well as many other very excellent docs uh with a wide variety of subjects on april 17th at 7 30 p.m est friend of the show awesome. sal makes a good point in the chat mitch and he says you know mitch this thing that alex worked on technically won an award it won two it won two awards two I said awards. at the beginning of the show and i know there we that. go that's just because we haven't put press yyz or yyz video in contention for any awards to date, I'm sure once we do get it out there that everyone's going to understand the content and really appreciate it. They do have do. podcast awards. It's yeah, only a matter exist, of time. right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. It's only they a matter it. of time. 
The podcast they have a why don't we have everything. why don't we make our own podcast awards and we call it the potties? I was gonna say the girthies, but <laughs> the uh, potties just sounds shitty though. This is um kind of apropos of nothing, but earlier you guys were talking about how there are these things called world tiers in Outriders. I just wanna say I think that the coolest trope that I've been exposed to in sci-fi fiction over the past few years is attaching world to another noun and using that as like a really cool noun plot device thing like in man of steel you have the world engine uh in the a certain magical index series of light novels you have the world rejector which is this super hu- human power that basically banishes people to another dimension like if you're working on your anime, light novel, sci-fi, Netflix show of your own, and you want it to come across as real cool, call the main MacGuffin in it the world something, because that is straight fire right there. It Even at the, like, the Game Awards, you got the world exclusive. Oh, there we go. Oh. And Xbox uh, world premieres. A little bit of uh, uh-huh. Think about su- it. subliminal worlding. Well, this is interesting. It's actually going to tie in the next thing I wanted to talk about that I had a great segue for before Cozy came back to talk about world stuff. And that's that I played the demo world stuff. for Aerial Knights <laughs> Never Yield. Do you guys know what this is? Aerial Knights Never Yield? It, it, it sounds like some anime-ass anime thing, and I'm very It's not. Very um, does. This was a game shown off in today's Nintendo Indie World Showcase event. And it is an endless runner set in a postmodern Tokyo-inspired Detroit with a great jazz-infused R&B soundtrack. It's really good, really simple. Demo's out on the eShop now if you're at all interested in it. Um, I just kind of wanted to get into a bit of discussion about the Indie World Showcase. Did you guys get a chance to check it out at all or any of the announcements? I've been too busy playing Outriders. I saw the Oxenfree 2 announcement, and that made me very excited. I didn't really pay much attention to it. Sorry. Okay, let me quickly go through (laughs) some of the things that were announced so you guys can get excited just like I am. All right, here we go. World Showcase. So we got a new Oli Oli game announced. Oli Oli World. Do you guys know the Oli Oli franchise? There we go. The the world strikes again. They should have called it World Oli Oli. Yeah. It would have been cooler. Good point. Good point. Close, but no cigar. No, so this is an, a new game in the Oli Oli franchise, which is like a 2D skateboarding game, but it the art style is totally different. It looks a little more open, like there's more open-endedness to the levels. It looks really neat. Um, the reason I said something was neat is because I saw Imran Khan tweet out that uh, T. Lopes, or Lopez, I'm not sure the pronunciation, is doing the score for the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge game that was announced as a collaboration between uh, the Streets of Rage 4 publisher and I can't remember the name of the studio exactly, but that composer is the same person that composed all the music for Sonic Mania. Ooh, okay. And hmm. the music in that was great. So I'm I'm still very much looking forward to seeing uh, how that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game comes together. We also got a new game announced called Road 96, which is a narrative game uh, with branching paths, it's procedurally generated. No two trips Ooh. will be exactly the same. Multiple endings. It looks really, really interesting. I'm very that one's on my radar 100. percent It's like that dog sledding game, but with cars. Sure, with less roguelike survival elements. But um, yeah, as you guys your mentioned, yeah, Oxen Free Two Lost Signals got announced. Real. I still have to play the first one. It's sitting in my backlog on something. 
I feel like it's I got a, it cheap on the Switch for some reason. That's I have it on. Yeah, it, it was super cheap on Switch. It's also it was free on Epic. Um, probably other places. I, I think it's on Game Pass as well. There, there's a lot sense. of there's a lot of avenues to play it, but it's it's really good. It's a really short, like four hour uh, story game. Um, yeah, and it's wonderful. And the fact that they're doing a sequel to it, I'm very interested to see what it's how what it's going to be. Yeah, we also got an announcement that Fez is coming to the Switch, which I didn't expect because yeah. the second game got canceled, which tied to our topic of the show in a bit. Um, and a couple of new games from Annapurna Interactive, uh, Hindsight and Last Stop, both of which look uh, fairly interesting. Fez, Fez is one of those games where don't, if don't look anything up and just buy it if you haven't heard anything about it. Get a couple of friends to do the same and just like jump onto a discord by yourselves and try and figure it out. See, see what you can figure out from that, because uh, it, it was a bit of a, a world uh, effort to learn all the ins and outs of what was going on in that. So, uh, yes, uh, Nate plays Those... games in the chat. Um, you haven't go check out. Uh twitch.tv slash Nate plays games or the geek centric podcast anywhere you can get it uh, where I recently did an episode of their watch club for Falcon and the winter soldier and we'll be featuring on an upcoming gaming centric version or episode of the show uh, with one of the hosts of the video games podcast, which was a lot of fun. Um, another game announced for the switch that was already on mobile and that's coming over to the switch is there is no game wrong dimension. Now cozy, you might want to pull this up for those watching along at home. Um, it is very much in the vein of something like what the golf where there Ooh. is, there literally is no game and you're doing weird things to interact with it. So like the game is moving around to get the loading bar to move. You have to like tilt the loading bar so that the bar fills up via gravity. It's, it looks bizarre in the best way. I might pick it up on mobile cause I feel like it might be more suited to that platform, but it also looks great on the Nintendo switch. Lots of lots of interesting games. I was looking at footage of that uh, Road 96 game a, a little bit earlier. The one that's like the dog sledding game, but it's cars instead of dogs, as we all agreed upon previously. And that game looked pretty Only you well. agreed to that, but okay. I mean, I, I got the sense that it was like a uniform consensus across the room. Alex, do you think that the car game is kind of like the dog sledding game, but with cars instead of dogs? I mean, I guess in like maybe visual style... But even then, I don't think so. We can quantify I, I that to, as a maybe. And if you consider a, maybe a 0 0.5, you can round that up to a 1. So let's just say it's a yes. Or you, you know could what? also round okay. it down, and then it's a no. AJ, do we, do we want to round 0 0.1 down to a 0, or do we want to round it up to a 1? Sorry, I have my mic muted. Round it to a zero. All right, cool. Consensus, except for Cozy. But yeah, no, there was a lot of fun stuff in that Indie World Showcase. If I would I would recommend going back and watching it because there was a lot of fun stuff in there. Um, hmm. Speaking of fun stuff, Cozy, we haven't given you your anime-ass anime corner of the episode. Go on and tell us all about Dr. Stone. Hell yeah. Uh, unfortunately, sadly, I'm not going to be playing a trailer for this live on the twitch show because last time we did <laughs> that for the that spider be anime, cozy 
we somehow got a co- not a copyright strike, but a copyright whatchamacallit. A copyright. You can't watch the last episode of the podcast in Pakistan because of something you did related to the <laughs> WWE. That wasn't I even think. that wasn't even anime related. Anyways. I know. Uh, let, okay, wrestling is absolutely anime. First of all, it's sure. anime and tights and baby oil. Yeah, it's real life anime. Continue. Yeah. Continue. In, in any case, um, so yeah, Dr. Stone, uh, this is an anime that is not particularly new. If you've been paying attention to the animes for quite some time now, you're probably already familiar with this name. Uh, if not, however, let me regale you with a little bit about what this show is about. Uh, it is modern day Tokyo. Everything is going fine and dandy uh, when all of a sudden everybody in the world is encased in stone and slowly but surely over the course of centuries and then eventually millennia the world reverts to a stone age like like peacefulness and tranquility uh then one day out of the blue a young scientific genius senku uh gets randomly awoken from his stony prison and goes about using his scientific prowess to restore the world to what it once was uh i don't want to go too much more into detail but if that premise sounds real interesting to you i recommend you go and check it out i've um i've come to realize on this podcast that you know not everybody who i podcast with and who watches the show is like deeply into the anime and i specifically wanted to bring this one up because unlike the spider show which is pretty out there this show i feel is a good show to get into if you're somebody who doesn't typically watch anime on the reg and wants something that's a little bit more accessible so to say so to speak in terms of both content and in terms of believability and generally in terms of like its supernatural elements other than the stone element that i talked about at the front most of the problems that the characters overcome in this show are all overcome through actual logical scientific means there are no like superpowers or anything weird of the sort like people transfiguring into spiders so by all means go give it a watch i I bring it up now because i recently completed the second season of the show uh, which is called dr stone stone wars because of course as you can imagine by the time that we get around to the second you know tier second season second arc of anything the characters have to start fighting each other and let me tell you it was a good game it it was a (laughs) i said it was i almost said it was a good game but i meant to say it was a good time I mean, speaking of good games, I think maybe, Alex, you've been playing Assassin's Creed. I did play through all of Assassin's Creed Syndicate. I brought it up, I think, the last episode I was on that I, like, started it. Um, so, so, like, since a month then and a half I... ago? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know. Um, but either way, um, you know, I managed to get through it and, uh, as well, played through the Jack the Ripper DLC, which I think was probably one of the most interesting dlcs i've played especially for like the assassin's creed ones i really some of those earlier assassin's creed games had some kind of cool dlcs where they were like what if we took something from this time period of history and put like a a spin onto it and i remember one of the big ones was like assassin's creed 3 with the what if george washington decided to just become king of you of the united states yep there was that one tyranny of the tyranny of king washington i believe that was called yeah, it's, that was like a really cool one, and this is along those levels. Um, before I sort of get into the Jack the Ripper stuff, just because I think that's the most interesting part of the entire thing, um, the the main game itself was pretty interesting. In no way, Barrett Courtney is an insane person for thinking that Assassin's Creed Syndicate is better than Odyssey or Valhalla. 
He is insane because Syndicate is not that good. Uh, Syndicate is solidly pretty good for what it was. Um, but I feel like those new Assassin's Creed games have really like transcended the sort of trappings that the original Assassin's Creed's had. Um, but still, it was still wonderful. Jacob and Evie are, are some pretty great protagonists. I really did like the relationship that they had together and how it kind of like started to break apart um, throughout the course of the game and how they needed to, you know, be, they needed to find themselves because they were so wrapped up in being twins. No spoilers, of course, um, because I do think it is worth playing. Uh, and yeah, one of the things, the the only like major thing that I'm so surprised that they haven't done this in another Assassin's Creed is there are certain missions when you have to assassinate your target that feel like they are Hitman. Like they're very, like the level design of it is very much like, is very similar to the new uh, I... Um, T or IO Interactive, that's who they are. Uh, Hitman games, but this was also before at least the the reboot of it. So it feels like they were taking a lot from Blood Money, where it's like you have like certain entry points, and you can like get like interesting assassinations if you go about if you like follow these steps, and the game kind of like puts them in your face, like hey, if you if you take out this guy and steal his outfit, you'll be able to get this assassination opportunity. It was really cool. Um, something that I've not seen in any of the other games in the in the franchise, and I th was one, and I think it's a. I hope it's something that does return because that is one of the things that is missing from Assassin's Creed now is being an actual assassin. It feels like they've moved uh, moved away from that quite a bit. But um, yeah, the Jack the Ripper DLC I think is the most interesting thing of uh, like the entire time of playing syndicate um they took this you know this this person who there's not much known about him because he was like this mystery person this mystery murderer who got away and so they it allowed them a lot of opportunity to kind of play around with his backstory his history um and yeah like i think it was very cool you get to play as jack the ripper for quite a bit of it and the way that he plays is different than uh than like how evie plays through that through the dlc which i think is you know add some add some especially jumping right from the main game to this dlc it was very nice kind of getting that like contrast of characters as well as one of the things that especially with the the main game that was kind of weird is they emphasize not killing people unless you absolutely have to which is kind of nice because throughout the the main game you're just brutally murdering everybody who even looks at you funny and so the fact that they're like hey maybe instead use fear to scare people um and they will run away and there's like this whole fear system it really reminded me of like batman in a lot of ways but you know for the most part it's a solidly good assassin's creed game i think it is one of the better of the like original like the way that they they handled assassin's creed before they took that break and then origins but in no way is it better than the the new ones i neglected to mention something earlier and i apologize that i'm having to circle back to it now but as part of the Indie World Showcase, Nintendo did also announce an indie sale. And if you're at all interested in how Oli Oli World looks, Oli Oli Switch Stance, which is a bundle with the first game and the second game in the series, is on sale right now on the Switch eShop for three Canadian dollars. Ooh. That's three. That's two games for three dollars. Doesn't get much better. I have to spend one thousand seven hundred dollars on Vita games. That three dollars is going to take away from my war chest devoted entirely to Sony's 
little handheld that could, you know? You that single-handedly are going to bring the Vita back. Hell yeah. But they're going to see this one purchase <laughs> from Montreal of $1,000. Be like, it's what the you, hell? Someone hacked it's into you. our servers. It'll be you, Greg Miller, and Colin Moriarty. It'll be the three of you are going to bring the Vita back. They're going to try and they're going to fail. Yeah, um, but you know. I think with that being said, unless anyone's got anything else, we can wrap up what we've been up to and get into our topic of the show. Hell yeah. Let's do it. Sounds good to me. Okay. So this topic was brought to us by friend of the show, uh, podcaster over at Addictive Nerds. They do the Stratus Gaming Podcast every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. So if you haven't already, go and check them out. Uh, Robbie Rob Plays, who is a frequent contributor to the pain behind me you know my exterior um no rob's great and he suggested this topic and we're gonna get to it and it is having a discussion about canceled games games that were canceled that we wanted games that were canceled that you know was justified and maybe some games that came out that probably should have been canceled but we'll stick to the first one and see how much time we got left so who wants to kick us off who wants to talk about a game that was canceled that they really wanted to play i I have one, Go for I, it. and it's one I still want to play. I still remember getting like an issue of like Game Informer back in the day and seeing pictures of it. Um, I love the original game, and it just it still hurts me that uh, nothing uh, ever came of it. Not that it would have been any good necessarily, but. And that's probably it's probably the most infamous one, uh, at least of our generation. Starcraft Ghost mm. um, is absolutely like the the idea that you know you, you go from this uh, in Starcraft this top down RTS perspective and get put into essentially the body of one of those. Um, uh, they they kind of made good on it in Starcraft Two a little bit in that. Um, you know, Nova, the character who you would be playing as does show up, uh, in the story. Um, and it, it, it was very satisfying, uh, for me at the time, at least, but I still think it would be interesting to, in a, I don't know, maybe, maybe in a very Outriders like fashion, go on some sort of adventure with these characters, uh, base basic military like characters but who can also do things uh that are neat so yeah honestly I, as soon as you brought that up the first comment in our chat related to canceled games courtesy of brinvar a good friend of ours was starcraft go so i think that's one that a lot of people would clamor for if blizzard ever got back to you know making original yeah. games yeah yeah that, this game that'd be nice like for the record like this game was such a certainty at one point that blizzard straight up just released the opening cinematic to this game which is what we're currently looking at on twitch uh, if you don't have twitch in front of you right now just search up opening cinematic to starcraft ghost on youtube and it's right there and it's full cgi glory this is not like a, a test render or like a bunch of storyboards scribbled on a bunch of pieces of paper it's like a real ass six minute video with real ass people saying real cool ass things and it may also be on our yeah. YouTube video if it doesn't get claimed and we have to blur it out. No, I don't think this one will get okay. claimed. I think it's going to be okay. <laughs> I'm just prefacing it. Right, anyone el anyone mm -hmm. else want to talk about StarCraft or do we want to move on to the next one? That was going to be like an original Xbox game, right? 
Yeah, yes. uh, Xbox, PS2, GameCube. Oh man, that would have that been, that. Yeah, would have been interesting it, to have seen what it actually turned out to be. But honestly, it probably also wouldn't have been good. I know it's Blizzard, but I just don't think it would have. I don't. I mean, they also made StarCraft well. sixty four, so that's true. All right, the I next would, one I've that, that our, our chat will not shut up about it. So let's just get it out of the way. You've got Jeebus in there. You've got Nate Plays Games in there. You've got Sal in there. It's Star Wars 1313. The Amy yeah. Henning directed Star Wars That was game. not Amy Henning. Wasn't it? Amy Henning was Ragtag. No. Uh, oh, uh, Ragtag, you're right. Star Wars 1313, yeah, it was before EA. It was before. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was the EA licensing agreement killed that game. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. That game could have been something very special. Fun fun fact, um, my friend Ben worked at Visceral um, while Amy Henning was making that ragtag game and working on it. Um, and I don't know if he has any details. He hasn't shared any with me. He's probably been NDA'd to shit on that sort of thing. But mm. um, yeah, everything else that has like leaked out about it seemed promising. Uh, not just 13 and even 1313. Like it could have been... Um, it, what's the one that came the the, the fort? What's the one that just came out? Fallen uh, order. order. It could have yeah. been Fallen Order before Fallen Order. Yeah, I think the the thing that hurts the most about thirteen thirteen is like I mean what we're seeing on the stream right now is we got this very extensive gameplay look at it and it looked really cool it looked like uncharted but with star wars and i think that's what hurt the most like the amy hennig uh, ragtag that being canceled did hurt but we didn't see anything about it we saw one very very brief like in-engine render of moss eisley and that yeah. was it where this, like, we saw gameplay. We saw, like, what the game was going to be. And so it really let, like, everyone's imagination run wild of what could have been. And so I think that's what hurt the most about it. Yeah, it just seemed like such a fun concept of, you know, you're going to get this third-person action-adventure game set in an area of Star Wars we've very rarely taken a look at. I know the last season of the clone wars looked a little bit more into like the deeper levels of Coruscant, but it's really not something that's been explored to any extent. So if we could have gotten that through this, that would have been phenomenal. Hell yeah. yeah. If uh, you in the chat or you listening on your MP3 player, or maybe you're somebody on a bus and somebody's playing this episode on a boombox, uh, wants to know a little bit more about Star Wars 1313. There's a great chapter about its development and subsequent demise in the Jason Schreier book, um, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Uh, so be sure to check that out if you wanted to fully ever fully understand just what happened to this really genuinely great looking game. His new book comes out soon, right? Yeah, I believe next it's, month. Yeah, I've seen people have like early copies of it. I'm very much looking forward to that because the last book, I, I just could not put it down. Hmm. Um, so I'm very interested to see what uh, what he gets in the sequel, uh, or not sequel, but the follow-up press reset. Hmm. Should be very good. Not an ad. We have not been sent copies of this. Although, Jason, if you're listening, we'd love a copy to, to take a look at early. Send you some By feedback, you know yeah I'm he, sure he wants our first yeah, small timer like you perspective uh, yeah, yeah. yes <laughs> all right who's got other canceled games they want to 
blather on about for the next hour plus however long i mean there's there's a couple that are like you know the super obvious notorious ones we've already gone through one of them being before 1313 Uh before we talk a little bit about like some of the more obvious ones i want to talk about one that's near and dear ish to my heart that i feel doesn't really get brought up all that often because it's a little bit of a different nature than the prior two games we talked about so who here is familiar with a little game called spec ops the line love it i've heard of it okay so alex and mitch have played it aj you have heard of it but you've not played it we don't know whether or not yeah i've heard very i've heard very good things about it um nothing that i can like recall at like on the spot but yeah it's one of those it is backwards compatible on the xbox one so you know just saying good to know i think it was also in playstation plus years ago on the playstation yeah that's how i played it or ps4 that sounds right it would have been playstation 3 ps3 yeah yeah that, that that sounds accurate um so spec ops the line never had a sequel go into active production and Walt Williams, who was one of the main writers and main kind of creative visionaries on that game, never wanted a sequel to go into production uh, for that matter uh, either. But um, before he kind of ended his tenure uh, at the studio that was uh, working on Spec Ops The Line, Walt did pen a script um, for a DLC for Spec Ops The Line that would have been this what-if scenario where the entire time you're playing as these um, three soldiers that go into a sand-swept version of Dubai. And without getting into any spoilers, because this is one of those games where you really don't want to spoil it ahead of time if you've not played it, things go very, very, very bad. Uh, The character that you're playing as uh, basically goes to confront the man that he believes is responsible for the game's madness, and bad things happen as a result. Along the way, uh, the two people who are following him around, get killed, uh, one of whom, uh, Sergeant Adams, seemingly dies off screen. And basically, uh, this DLC that Walt Williams penned that never went into production, but like a full script of it exists somewhere, presumably on like a random computer in Germany where this game was developed, um, exists. And I actually happen to have right here um, significant zero, which is partially green screened out. No dear, on account of the book. The book's not uh, doesn't have a green color, by the way. It has a yellow cover, but I guess that's enough for the green. They're screen adjacent on the color thing. wheel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, in the book, Walt Williams talks a little bit about the DLC's production and what it would have been about. Um, basically, the idea is that um, Sergeant Adams wakes up after seemingly dying over the course of the main campaign. He's pissed. He really desperately wanted to die and he hates that he's alive. So he's like, you know what? I'm just going to grab a disguise and I'm just going to walk out of Dubai. The entire course of Spec Ops The Line has taught me and people that played it that being in Dubai is a very bad idea. You're going to commit uh, horrific war crimes and other atrocities. So let's just not, you know, try and poke the bear any longer and get out of here. As he's getting out, however, he notices this other sergeant, uh, Sergeant Paza, who's basically a young member of the opposing force that they fought in the game. He recognizes that Sergeant Paza is a little bit green. And so he's like, you know what? As this one last act, I'm going to try and get Sergeant Paza out of Dubai. And not a lot of information is provided on exactly what would have entailed throughout the entirety of the DLC. Uh, But basically, it would have culminated in them actually successfully getting out of Dubai, um, only for this to happen. So I'm going to just read to you a little exchange here. 
so basically, uh, Sergeant Paza and Sergeant Adams manage to get out of Dubai. Uh, Adams basically uses a radio to call for evacuation. And as he's talking on the radio, Paza realizes, oh shit, this is one of the three protagonists that entered into Dubai and basically fucked shit up for us. Uh, so Paza points his gun at Adams and says, uh, you lied to me, Adams. Yeah, I did. So what? Paza. So what? You ruined everything. This is your fault. Adams. It's everyone's fault. Paza. We were trying to help. Adams. So were we. Things got out of hand. Paza cocks his gun. Uh, Paza. You destroyed the water. You could all those people at the gate. Adams. Not arguing that. Adams lowers his gun and throws it away. His shoulders sag. He is weak, tired. His eyes stare at the ground. Adams. Go home to your family. Be better than what happened here. Paza. The hell are you doing? This some kind of trick? Adams. No trick. Just calling in your debts. Adam pulls Lugo's dog tags out of his pocket. He tosses them into the sand between him and Paza. Those belong to Staff Sergeant John Lugo. Make sure they get to his family. That's number one. Number two? Adams lifts his head just enough to look Paza in the eyes. He points to the left side of his chest, below his heart, but near his lung. Aim here. It won't be fast, but that's all right. I'll bleed out before the medvac uh, arrives. Tell them that I was injured during our escape. You tried to revive me, but I was too far gone. Pause. Why? Adams. Because I just can't do this anymore. And yeah, <laughs> a, a little bit of a, a down no note after the, you know, excesses of Star Wars 1313 and Starcraft Ghost, but... Uh, it would have culminated in a pretty dark and intense fashion, yet I still think that I would have been all for it. Uh, just because, like, to really kind of, like, drill down to it, you know, when I think back to the past couple of console generations, particularly the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3 generation, I feel like some of my favorite experiences from that generation were the like two to three hour uh, story-based DLCs for some of my most beloved games uh, of that time. Like for example, um, Layer of the Shadow Broker for Mass Effect 2, um, Citadel for Mass Effect 3, uh, Broken Seal for Fallout 3. All these DLCs are like, hey, you're already familiar with the world and mechanics of Bioshock 2. Now let's give you Bioshock 2 Minerva's Den, where we kind of put all those mechanics to test, but we also toss in some cool new stuff. And we as developers are already so intimately familiar with our worlds and systems and enemies. Let's really kind of put that design expertise to the highest level of designiness that we can possibly push it to. And I feel like, like I really enjoyed um, Spec Ops Line in its original form, but I feel like this you know, ephemeral two to three hour uh, narrative based DLC that would have seen one of the characters of the game receive a proper grizzly set off could have been it could have been something really special that on account of it not being super long would have been all the more memorable and all the more replayable. So, yeah, video games. Yeah, Spec of the Line, Spec Ops the Line was something very special, and to get kind of more of that would have been very, very cool. I have no idea where to go with that because I went to a place I did not expect it to go to. I have no transition. Does anyone have anything else I want to talk about canceled games wise so I can think of something better? I, I mean, got one. Go, go ahead, Alex. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, you know, the big one in the room, the elephant that we have not talked about yet Silent Hills Anthem? by Hideo Kojima. Oh. 
I mean, it's it's a game that was super notorious because of the PT demo that came out. And then everyone, like Hideo Kojima plus the weirdness of Silent Hill, it sounded like a match made in heaven. And there's part of me that's like, you know what? Because of what happened with Silent Hills and Metal Gear Solid Five, we got Death Stranding because of it. So part of me is like, ah, was it really that big a deal? Because Death Stranding is incredible and it's a, it is a masterpiece, a flawed masterpiece, uh, let me say. But, you know, it would still be very cool to see Hideo Kojima do a actual honest-to-god horror game and especially like the psychological horror that Silent Hills is really known for as well just some of the things that like were kind of talked about like what he wanted to do and have like have like like an app on your phone that will call you and talk to you as you're playing the game and like it wanted like he want he like had this idea of like oh what if it connected to your like Alexa and, you know, it fucked with that in some ways. Like, things like that, that it's like only Hideo Kojima could really probably feasibly get away with or things that I would, you know, still love to see at some point. And at this point, every all the IPs that Konami own are essentially just dead in the water. So it would have been nice to have the final send-off for Silent Hill oh, yeah. not be... They're, I mean... They're that, not dead. They're pachinko machines now. A fate worse than death. You're correct. While you say that, <laughs> I we mean, did get the announcement that E3 is coming back in some virtual form this year, and one yep. of their partners is Konami. So I would be shocked if it was anything other than like a Contra collection. But at the same time, Metal you never Gear. Know. That's true. Also, one of the another of the sort of big things that was a very big disappointment with Silent Hills. I just got reminded of it by watching the trailer on the live stream. Was the fact that Guillermo del Toro was involved with it, and this yep. was like another game that he was a part of that got canceled. He's had a very bad bad run with video games, and so it would have been super nice, especially because Guillermo del Toro is such a visionary person, and like he's so good with horror and monsters that it really like his involvement would have been something special. And you know he didn't really have an involvement in Death Stranding. He, they used his body for it, like because his <laughs> his body is one of the characters. But besides that, he didn't have like he didn't you know he didn't contribute to what Death Stranding was. And so there's there's a whole bunch of things about it. But yeah, Silent Hills is one of like the, the most notorious ones just because I think of Hideo Kojima being involved with it. It would have been so nice to have gotten whatever that game was going to be because the PT demo is still one of the best horror experiences ever. Totally. It would be cool to see it fully fleshed out. What's funny is that, I mean, we're, we're unlikely to specifically get a Hideo Kojima Silent Hills game at this point, but like it's... Not unlikely that we could see Hideo Kojima announce a new game pretty soon, and the chances of that game being a like a Xbox Game Pass exclusive horror game are not absolutely out of the cards <laughs> at this point. God, that would be Who can insane. Say? I would kill. I would kill just to be on Twitter the day that that gets announced. That I would mean, be awesome. I don't think it's you have to kill anyone to do that. Whatever he announces, you know. You know what would have been a really good Game Pass game if Game Pass existed by the I... time this game got canceled? Scalebound? Scalebound. Oh. <laughs> Rest in peace. It, it's it's one of those that looked it looked so interesting. Um and you know, kind of not at the same time, but the idea of being a dude and you got this dragon that you can uh 
I don't know. I'd it's how to train your dragon the game. Basically, and like a little more realistic and whatever, a little more anime. Yeah. Um, and it looked super close to finish, too. Yeah. Like, just whatever you got, just put it on Game Pass at this point. Like, <laughs> come on. I mean, it, I feel like at this point, though, it would turn into a Crackdown 3 thing where it's like that game yeah. should have been canceled and they just kept pushing it along and stitching it together. And then say, it turned out to be Crackdown 3. If if this goes yeah. by the way of Crackdown 3, they're probably going to have some anime cutscenes in this version of the game because Crackdown 3 had like animated cutscenes because they couldn't fully animate them through other mm. means. Would Scalebound also feature Terry Crews in some form? That would just oh, make it, it should. Yeah. Every it game should. should feature Terry Crews. It would make Absolutely. it better. Yeah. Marginal. But like, yeah, this, yeah. I mean, it was platinum too. So it's like platinum. I mean, there are two different types of platinum. There are the licensed yeah. Transformers games, Devastation. And then, and then you get the Bayonettas. And this was looking, I mean, I don't know if this was the, the studio that does like Bayonetta and stuff, but I mean, just watching the gameplay of it um, right now, uh, the, it looks it, super cool. It's, yeah. It looks like a video game as video game in in the best way, and yeah. that would have been perfect if Game Pass existed. It would have been it would have been one of the only reasons to own an Xbox One as well. Yeah, and it, yeah, and it was it was at a time where um, they were absolutely hurting for exclusives and and that it was one of the biggest criticism is that you know the previous generation it was ps3 has no games and then the the one the xbox one generation it was xbox has no games so it's like uh, i don't know it just it's it's kind of heartbreaking just to see like all the effort that clearly went in to make even this uh pre-alpha gameplay demo look the way it does and play the way it it looks like it does it there, there's i don't know it's it's another one that's just i really hope they just do something with whatever they got and just like use game pass as as a mechanism to show us uh something else and like the only way you're you can experience that is uh on xbox through game pass like for example, um, Star Fox 2 came out on only on the uh, Super Nintendo Classic system, right? right? Yep. You could use Game Pass as that sort of delivery system for for things that didn't quite make it out or something like that or what have you. Like artifacts of gaming past and everything. And I think that would be super interesting. Yeah. By the way, I feel quickly, like it also came to this. Yeah, it did it came to the uh, it came SNES to, online app for the Nintendo yeah, Switch? But but only a few years after the fact. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, it didn't exist until a few years after the fact. But yeah, right. um, it would be great to see Platinum go to Sony and be like, "Hey, Microsoft gave us this IP and this project back. Do y'all want to pay us to finish it?" And then they do. Yeah. Like, that would be funny. Um, that would be. Uh, I don't know if PlayStation is going to be the ones to to make. Maybe that not happen. right now. Yeah, not Nintendo. Not right now. Nintendo's more likely to do it than PlayStation. Uh, but speaking of a game yeah. that should have gotten some love and didn't, Mega Man Universe. You guys familiar with Mega Man Universe? I so this am. was going. This was going to be a 
2D Mega Man game akin to like the old style Mega Man games with kind of like a 3D flair on the on the on the art style. Think sort of like Mighty Number no. Nine, but it was also going to be one in which there was like a world creator similar to Super Mario Maker, as well world. as the character. There we go. The world strikes again. And you could like you could use like the gross Mega Man One box art Mega Man in the game, and there was just like it, they promised all this customization and all these things, and it totally got canceled for no reason that we're aware of. Uh, but shortly after, or right around the same time that it got canceled, uh, KG Inafune left Capcom. So that probably had something to do with it. But I really wish this, I remember the, the announcement video for this because it was part of like a Mega Man celebration event. And I was so excited for this to become real and it never did. And it makes me sad. I, I um like I, I've not done any research on what happened to this game. I do know though that this is around the same period of time where Capcom was deep in the throes of its we're trying to conquer the Western market phase, and so I would not be surprised if like this project began as a pet project. They realized halfway through that actually this was gonna require a lot more resources and money to come together. And they're like, mm, it's a little bit too niche of a product, a little bit too Japanese in terms of its focus. Let's just cancel it and kind of cut our costs and move on to something that we think would be more lucrative. I, I know a lot of people like to be conspiracy theoristic when it comes to KG and Afune and how like Capcom basically canceled a lot of Mega Man stuff to kind of spite him. And like, I don't know, m maybe that is true of some of these projects, but I always, I always kind of like feel kind of iffy when people propose that that's the reason why they kind of abandoned Mega Man for a while back then. Uh, but I don't really According to this Kotaku know. article, I am 8-Bit made that launch trailer you were just showing on the stream slash YouTube uh, video. And if you haven't, go check go check out this announcement trailer because it's, 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 it's just so full of nostalgic love for Mega Man as a character and just the hype of it was great. Um, yeah, I'm really sad that game didn't come to come to be. Mm -hmm. uh, on the subject of 2D platformers, I, I do want to take a quick second to talk a little bit about Metroid Dread. Um, so uh, unlike a lot of the games that we've been talking about over the course of the past few minutes, Metroid Dread was a game that uh, never really had any kind of footage or for that matter, even screenshots shown off of it. Um, it was a planned 2D sequel to Metroid Fusion for the Nintendo DS uh, that was sort of kind of announced in 2005 via an issue of Game Informer. Uh, but then after that, the kind of trail on it kind of went cold and basically by 2010, Nintendo more or less confirmed that the project was no longer really in development. Uh, but it's one of those cases, kind of like Starcraft, Starcraft Ghost, where Nobody has ever officially said, yes, the project is 100% dead. And so you still have people wondering, is it like, you know, sitting somewhere in a vault waiting to be revived? Is it in limbo? Is there, you know, one monkey pressing random keys on the keyboard somewhere in like a, a obscure office building within Nintendo working slowly but surely on this game? Uh, nobody knows, but I mean, most likely it's never going to come to fruition. Um there's not a lot of information that's known about this game in terms of like mechanics or story, except that, as I stated earlier, it was meant to be a uh, continuation uh, of the events of Metroid Fusion on the GBA. And just on that basis alone, I would have been personally really excited to play Metroid Dread because I think a problem that the Metroid franchise has run into in recent years is that 
it feels like every single Metroid game that we get that is a quality Metroid experience is like a remake or a re-release of a previously existing game. And outside of Metroid Prime 4, it feels like every single game that fans are asking for are like, hey, let's get another uh, remake of Super Metroid. Let's get a glossy remake of Metroid Fusion. And all the rumors that we've heard, whether they're genuine rumors or not, have been about like Metroid Fusion or Super Metroid remakes. And, you know, I, I, I will gladly play those games if slash when they eventually materialize. But personally, I just really want the Metroid franchise to continue to branch out uh, with new titles, new adventures that are not remakes of pre-existing properties. I really feel like the, the franchise has really constrained itself by not kind of moving too far past a lot of its original classics. And I really feel like the the story and the world and the characters really need to be jump-started. And in maybe in another reality, Metroid Dread could have jump-started it. Um, just uh, like a little tidbit, the the story of Metroid Fusion ends with Samus Aran and the kind of Galactic Federation, the kind of peacekeeping force within the galaxy that she lives in, kind of being at odds with each other because Samus makes a decision to blow up a space station to destroy this alien parasite that the Galactic Federation wanted to like study and harness its power. It's very similar to like the ending of the original Alien film from 1979, for example. And theoretically, Metroid Dread would have followed up on those events and like, all right, what does a Metroid universe look like right now where Samus Aran is in the right, but she is not liked by the rest of the peacekeeping galactic community. Do we see Samus Aran go rogue? Is she going to be fighting other people that theoretically also stand for goodness and justice within the galaxy? There could have been a lot of interesting narrative stuff there, but I suppose all that we can really do right now is just wait for Retro Studios to finish Metroid Prime 4, whenever that'll be. Yeah, who knows with that one. Give them all the time they need. Let them make a great game rather than having it come out and be mediocre. You can't have that series come back and be mediocre in any way. I'm going to say right here and right now, I think we will get our next tease of Metroid Prime 4 at this year's E3. Nintendo is one of the partners that have partnered with the ESA for this year's weird-ass digital E3 event. And I think... I think one of the bangers that they're going to bring is their next look at Metroid Prime 4. They need to bring something. I think Everyone so. Knows. Um, what's bring his name? Pokemon. Dylan Job, who's Pokemon. like Dylan Job, who's like one of the like main project developers at Retro Studios right now on Metroid Prime 4. He tweeted out like a week or so ago like, "Oh man, we just passed a new milestone." Uh, didn't, you know, provide any more details on that. Didn't say it was for Metroid Prime 4, but it can't be any other project other than Metroid Prime 4 because he's working at Retro. So, like, they're making progress there. They're not standing still. Um, and I I have faith. I have faith. I mean, the milestone could have just been they got gun animation to work. We don't know how far along it is, to be honest. I think it's... Again, when did give them get, all the time they need. When did it get rebooted again? Like, when did it Nintendo at least come out? The, be, the beginning of 2019, That's, January okay. 2019. So it will it will be, it, it's already been three years. Two and a two, half years. Two, two, be, two and a half, yeah. yeah. Right, I, don't I don't think, know with, with the pandemic, I don't think we'll see that until any earlier than 2022. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not expecting it to come fair. out this year. No, but, I mean even you know, just a tease. I don't. I don't expect them to bring it back until they can put a release date on it. Yeah, yeah. 
you're right. You're totally right. But I, I, I still, I hold well, on. I'm I held right. on hope that we're going to get a, we're, we're going to get ourselves a, a teaser at this E3. Okay. Does anyone else have any uh, canceled games they want to talk about? I got one more that I Go would like to it. bring. So this is one that would have come during what I would say was a golden era for this developer and that developer being Rockstar. The the PS3 uh, canceled game agent. The PS3 mm. 360 generation of Rockstar, I feel like some could argue either the PS2 original Xbox or PS3 360 was golden age. I think it was personally the 360 because I think like Grand Theft Auto 4 might be a little dated now, but when it came out was awesome. Uh, L.A. Noir was a really weird and interesting experience. Max Payne 3 is one of the best third-person shooters I've ever played. Uh, Red severely, Dead. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption is incredible, still, like, insanely good. And then ending it off with Grand Theft Auto 5, which is, you know, a game that is still relevant now. Huge. It would have been really cool to see. And also Bully Scholarship Edition. I know that that was, like, kind of a re-release of a PS2 game. But still, there were so many great games that Rockstar did during this time. It would have been really cool to, for one, see somebody tackle this, like, Cold War era, um, this, like, Cold War era time period. Because it's not, not a lot of games get really placed there. The only, like, one of note, really, is Call of Duty and... I feel like Rockstar would have handled it just slightly differently than than like Call of Duty Black Ops. So, um, fun fact, if you go to mm-hmm. rockstargames.com slash games slash agent, you can still see uh, Rockstar's official post-announcing agent. Uh, it says, Rockstar Games is proud to announce agent. Developed by the people behind Grand Theft Auto, Rockstar North, agent will be available exclusively for the PlayStation 3 computer entertainment system. <laughs> Agent takes players on a paranoid journey into the world of counterintelligence, espionage, and political assassinations during the height of the Cold War at the end of the 1970s. Oh, God. That sounds so cool. And the fact that it was Rockstar North as well. There are so many things in its favor, and we never saw anything except for this title. Yep. Yeah. Which was, I think, the probably the... I mean, in some ways, is like the only saving grace of it being canceled was the fact that we had no idea what it could have been. So, really, it's just like, you know, really, it's just like whatever your imagination can, I guess, take it to. But, you know, it's still just like... It still would have been really cool to see Rockstar do something different, especially now where it really seems like they are not going to venture very far away from Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead. It would be nice to, you know, see them do something different. And maybe, hey, maybe one day we'll see the agent get revived. But I can just see someone do. with a stick poking Rockstar to be like, do something new, please. Like, uh, how about they a don't remake? Have a stick big enough to, to touch them on their Mitch, pile of money. Let me pitch you on this. How about not a re-release of Grand Theft Auto V on the PS5 and Xbox Series X, but a remake of Grand Theft Auto V for the PS5 and Xbox Series X. Yes, let's remake all the games from 2013. <laughs> the ancient year of 2013. Yes, because backwards okay. compatibility doesn't exist. Um, Alex, Sony. serious question. Yeah. Are you at all interested mm-hmm. in Project 007, which is the new James Bond game that's being worked on by IO Interactive? 
Oh, absolutely. IO is incredible. They make great stealth games. And the fact that they're, I like that they're doing something different from Hitman. I haven't played Hitman 3 yet, but all I've heard about it is that it's incredible. Um, and so the fact that they're doing something different and I think tonally will be interesting to see how they tackle. But yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to see because like all of the James Bond games that we've gotten have been first person shooter action games and they don't really lean into the stealth like spy aspect of James Bond. And that's what I'm really, really hoping that IO manages to achieve with with this new game. Hmm. So, yes, <laughs> I got nothing. I got one more game. And then we can wrap this up. How's that sound? Sure. Uh, sure. I feel like Sounds we, the three of us have been talking an awful lot on this episode and I kind of feel bad, Mitch, because it seems like. No, no, don't. That's you know. what the host does. I facilitate the conversation between each of you. And I had, I had like two games I wanted to talk about for this topic. So I'd rather you guys go on about the things you're passionate about. But one thing I'm passionate about is the Marvel cinematic universe. Uh -huh. So let me take you back. It's like 2009, 2010. Marvel announces that they're going to make an Avengers movie and someone gets the rights to make a tie-in game. That was THQ. Uh. THQ's the Avengers, which would have come out to coincide with the release of the movie. I am. I mean, you knew it was going to be something comic books related. You know me. And who wouldn't want a first person shooter with Marvel heroes at the center of it. Right. It first would person be is, uh, yeah, first person is, is the weird part about this is the fact that like, I mean, really, it I feel like it only makes sense for like two of the characters for it to be in first person. But Three, I mean, maybe, I, you know, you what? can make it work like, but I mean, it, when you think of like games have a really I find have a really hard time doing first person melee combat good. So this was a game that actually, it wasn't a direct tie-in to the movie. It, they were planning on adapting the Secret Invasion storyline, and now we know as part of the MCU's rollout, we're going to get a Secret Invasion TV series with uh, Samuel L. Jackson coming back, and I'm so excited for that. Uh, but it would have adapted that comic book line, and they actually brought in Brian Michael Bendis, who wrote the original Ooh. narrative for Secret Invasion to you know contribute to the story of this game. And it, it looked like things were coming together. And then THQ did things like you draw and <laughs> basically bankrupt the company. Them. Yeah. And uh, it didn't really work out. So the game ultimately had to be canceled after THQ went to Marvel asking for more money. Um, and as THQ selling off everything, they sold off the license rights to make a tie-in game for the Avengers movie to Ubisoft. And that got us Marvel Avengers Battle for Earth, which was absolutely terrible. It released on the Xbox 360 and Wii U and had Kinect support and was really, really bad. Oh, it's this game. Okay. Yeah, that this. game. Yeah. It was not good. And <laughs> what, just think back to what could have been in 2012, you know, after the heyday of Marvel doing things like Ultimate Alliance, Ultimate Alliance 2, and. I mean, we Iron could have had Man some great stuff for there. the Xbox 360. Remember that <laughs> game? It was a Thor game at some point. Captain Cap America. Captain American yeah. game was actually pretty good. I put that on the Wii. It was pretty good. It was yeah. It was not. It was the best of the bunch. That's not that saying enough. But then we got you know we got Square Enix Marvel Avengers in 2020, and that just made me oh so happy. 
Didn't make everyone that happy, but it made me happy, and that's what counts. So, but what could have been with THQ's The Avengers? Earlier, you know, we were talking about how you know we had mixed feelings about THQ's Avengers being a first-person shooter. You you actually reminded me over the course of that conversation that there was a Harry Potter game, specifically a game based off of the second. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows movie that was not a first-person shooter, but a third-person like shooter. Here's a war-style game. Yeah, yep. we're basically but with your, wizards. You, your gun is this your video wand. is hundred percent going to get claimed on YouTube. <laughs> is it? Yes. Continue. <laughs> uh, okay. It's not even like this. Isn't like from the official Warner Brothers or Harry Potter account. This is just from some. Reddit they YouTuber will guy. find you. Okay. Fine, fine. Fine. Warner Brothers doesn't fuck around. Um, but you know, I remember, I remember when this game was first announced, I remember reading the IGN article, like, Hey, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two is going to be a first person shooter. I remember, you know, having this wave of emotion wash over me where I'm like, Oh, on one hand, that's kind of a novel idea that I never would have thought about. Like what if Harry Potter was a third person shooter? And then on the other hand, I'm like, Oh, but they're only making it a third person shooter because shooters are you know, all the rage nowadays and they sell super, super, super duper well. And I kind of feel the same way about the Avengers campaign, about the uh, Avengers THQ game, where it's like, like, I think the potential of like an Avengers first version shooter is actually pretty high. I think that they, in theory, could have made something really cool out of this. The problem is that I feel like at the time, the decision to have this Avengers game be a first person shooter was very much a, you know, it was very much a money-based decision and not like a creative decision. And as a result, I feel based on that, I don't know that this product specifically would have been all that it could have been cracked up to be when it released, if it had hypothetically ever released. Um, but I don't want to. I don't want to completely close the door on the idea of an Avengers first-person shooter. I just, I feel like this project specifically might have approached that kind of idea from the wrong angle to begin with. Either way, those have been some of the games that we would have loved to have seen come out that didn't, even if they would have been a solid 6 out of 10 on IGN when it comes to Avengers. And with that, unless anyone's got anything else they want to interject with. I, I do want to quickly say, I mean, <laughs> there are no games for this. This isn't even a, a game or an app or anything, but I, I really do wish that Nintendo had released the Vitality Sensor. I that's what fair. I yeah you know a wholesome uh, Satoru Iwata asks moment where he came out at the very end of E3 2009. It's in between the trailers for Resident Evil something Chronicles and Metroid Other M's debut trailer. He's like, hey, we want to show off this new project that we're working on for the Wii. Please look forward to it. Thank you for your understanding. Goodbye. And we never saw it again. And I'm I, I to this very day shed many a tear quietly by myself whenever I think about it. It 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 would Nintendo definitely likes to throw ideas out there and if they don't exactly stick then they move on, that's for sure. I mean it's and not it's not that's even, definitely it, some Sorry. Go ahead. It it's no, it's just the vitality sensor is definitely something that I would have liked to see somebody take advantage of there's a there's a game out right now that's actually experimenting with uh using your webcam and it changes the scene um i forget i forget the name of the the game 
but it's like every time you you blink um it the story progresses in a weird way and it's supposed to represent like your life flashing before your eyes Mm. if you blink you'll miss it that sort of thing and it's actually apparently a really good concept unfortunately i forget the name of it but little things like that are kind of like what nintendo's good at um they don't always stick but they're good at coming up with those concepts the game you're thinking of is called before your eyes yes that's that's a that's a pretty good name Mm -hmm. if that if that game company that developed for before your eyes didn't have a name and they came to me asking for a name i would have said you should call it world blinker i think that would have worked out well god damn it and with that (laughs) just cancel the game i think with that we can wrap well one we can cancel the game and we can wrap up this episode of press yyz so thank you again for tuning in if you enjoyed what you just listened to please be sure to share it subscribe on youtube hit the bell the subscribe notifications all that jazz rate and review us on any of your podcast service follow us on twitter press yyz twitch press yyz literally anywhere press yyz uh you can check us out uh over on discord invite.gg slash press yyz if you want to just hang out and voice chat all day at work and get nothing done and and hang out which is always a good time next week's episode is going to be super special we will be joined by irrational passions alex o'neill to conceptualize and rank the greatest video game to theme uh themed theme park attractions that will never happen uh this will be pre-recorded but we'll be here on twitch anyway at eight um and it'll go up everywhere else around the same time we can hang out have a good time and that is the plan all your hosts can be found on the various social medias all of those links will be in the description of this episode and until next time thanks for playing